0: Hello one and all, lockdown continues as does our top five lists. Today we're looking at BTCC nearly men, the men that, uh, not women in this case, but the men who have come closest to winning a title without ever achieving so. podcast number three of our top five series sam how are you
1: uh i'm good thanks uh struggling through work at the moment because everyone seems to be posting everything to everyone possible um just a note i'm a postman and uh yeah it's it's tough going at the moment much 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 harder than your work at the moment
0: well that is the bonus of an office job there is always netflix not too far away how have you found this week's uh, topic? The top five nearly men in the touring cars who have not quite won a championship, and perhaps they should have done, uh, come close, or should have done by now.
1: Well, there 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 are a lot to choose from. Put it that way, um, and it was difficult at first for me just to narrow them down to five. But then we we came up with the idea that we'll make sure it's people that are pretty much not haven't got a chance of winning it again. Um, which we've nearly st- stuck to. Um, I was going to say that
0: could be quite controversial on one of mine in particular. But, yes. Uh,
1: um. But yeah. So leaving out people like Dan Hamish, Tom Ingram, because they are so young in the sport and have so much ahead of them. Um. Yeah. yeah. Those drivers that are past their peak or retired. Um. Got got a few memories rolling in there as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I found it okay. It, it was more difficult to put them in order, actually. Yeah,
0: I found it quite difficult to order it. There's a, the top three, for me, could have probably been separated or put in any particular order, actually. The, uh, the four or five places were much easier to place.
1: Yeah. Well, shall we go from five to three, each yep. of us, um, and explain why we've got who, where? Well then, number five for you. Number
0: five is a driver who's back in the series this season, um, although you probably potentially think his chance of glory has gone. about uh, writing off too soon, it's a certain Matt Jackson. Oh, yes. So, some stats for you. 31 wins in the series. That's more than AJ and Gio Bernardi, both champions. Yep. 334 starts and runner-up in 2008. In that year, he had an almost unbeatable BMW Uh, losing out to the Vector of Giovinadi and more so losing out on consistency rather than performance. Yeah. Uh, Since then, he's struggled to build on this uh, due to both monetary issues and some bad blood, shall we say, Mm -hmm. in the paddock. Uh, And whilst Matt is certainly a phenomenal racer, you look at his win stats, where he is in the win table and just how good that BMW was in that era, you can't help but feel that he A, should have probably won a championship that year and B, it's going to be difficult to get close to that again. He couldn't really replicate the same uh, form at Team A on. He then had a hiatus on the touring cars due to uh, certain paddock issues, should we say. Um, And it's difficult to see how he gets to the chance he had in 2008 where he led the championship for a long time and then a few errors. I remember Croft went straight off at the first corner in the wet after the race resumed, after the red flag. Um, It's difficult to see where or how he, he's
1: at the top of the field again. Yeah, I think it's great to see him back because, as we all know, he is a very quick racer, as proven by his win record. He's had five pole positions as well. Um, yep. And, yeah, he actually made his debut at the sport all the way back in 2001, but it was a very fleeting debut, wasn't it? Um, yes, it was, yeah. And then came to more, more into the limelight when... He won the Sayat Cooper Championship in 2006. Now, coming in with that sort of pedigree with the Sayats as they were at the time, you thought he would possibly actually have some success going into a Sayat. But as you say, that BMW was phenomenal. Yes, it was. And Absolutely phenomenal. He, he, he was so comfortable with it as well. Um, I, th- I can't remember what year it was. I think it must have been either 2007 or 2008. Um, me and my mum were lucky enough to go down to Brands Hatch for the final round of the season and get to be VIP guests of him, um, courtesy of mum voting on some competition during the during the year of Matt Jackson's performance from a race at Snetterton, where he came from almost the back of the field to get onto the podium, I think. And... That sort of... It it showed his fighting spirit. Um, But yeah, his time in the touring cars was cut short. Um, As you say, bad blood was there. And um, he's... It'll be interesting to see how he does alongside Plato. Been alongside Plato before this year. Um, Yeah, the cruises. And it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to that Astra.
0: Not real drive.
1: No. No.
0: Similar shape to the force that he struggled so much with as well. Yep. Um, as I say, without writing him off already, the season not even turned a wheel yet, you do look at his stats today and think that perhaps the chance has been in, been gone, albeit he was up against a, a fantastic champion, Giovinardi. However, as I said in my sort of repos there that had it not been for some reliability issues, some Consistency issues,
1: I think he would have walked that championship that year, because that car was just unplayable. Yeah, it was. Um it raining. In- Interestingly, he is actually number two in my list. Oh, okay. Um, right, Who's at your number five spot? So, my number five driver is Rob Collard. So,
0: okay, well he's my number four, so...
1: Okay, so, we've, we're looking at nearly men of the sport, so we're thinking yeah. people that just missed out on the championship... But Rob Collard is one of those drivers That has been there for a hell of a long time Made his debut in 2000 But his best finish in the championship Has only been 5th And that was 3 times 2012, yeah. 2016 and 2017 He's had an
0: inc- only 14 wins In that time as well
1: 15 wins I've got uh, I've got
0: 14. points to the touring car website. But from, there is some discrepancy between that and Wikipedia.
1: Yeah, from 487 races, which is an incredible amount for one driver. Yeah. Um, yeah. His longevity in the sport, yeah, is almost second to none. Um, I think probably only what Matt Neal and Plato in the in this era have had more. Um, Most likely. But the cars that he's been in are the crucial point for me. He's been in cars that that have won the title in such seasons, and he hasn't been close enough. Um, I'd agree with that. So, And then, obviously, coming to the back end of his career in the touring cars, obviously, was left out for this season. Um, His injuries in 2017 curtailed the end of that season for him, and in 2018... Uh, both with WSR, I think we can all remember the role that he had at Silverstone, um, which was a huge, huge accident, and you can kind of understand why somebody of his age, I think it's fair to say, he is he's getting on a bit now, he's probably going to struggle to come back from something like that. And, yeah, hes he's always been in a great team, but hasn't been the best driver in that team. And I think that might have been the problem.
0: It's hard to add anything extra to that. You say he's had a lot of experience with BMWs, uh, a car that has dominated the touring cars throughout its sort of recent history. Um, and I think that perhaps the best days are behind him, as evidence with BMR last year, that um, he was, uh, let's say, very far off Jason Plato's pace for the year. Um,
1: yeah, he he always seems to be the bridesmaid in the team, doesn't he? He's always playing second fiddle, whether it be to Turkington, Plato last year. He's just, I don't know, he's not had that punch when maybe the other driver has struggled in a race. He hasn't been the one to capitalise. Um, no. And I think that's why his best finish in the Championship has only been fifth.
0: Yeah, albeit consistently three times. it a consistent point score and a consistent oh, yeah When you look at the, uh, the equipment he's had and the time he's had should have probably got closer.
1: Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. WSR have completely appreciated everything that he's done for them in the Manufacturers' Championship. Oh, yeah. He's always been there to pick up the points when the team has needed it, but he's never been their main man for me. Agreed.
0: Agreed. So. Uh, well, here's my number four, so I might as well skip straight on to my number three. Uh, no, you might as do your number four, actually.
1: Okay, so my number four... <sighs> As you were saying, difficult to pick between between the drivers that we have. For mine, it's David Leslie.
0: Okay, he's one over three, so we can talk about that together.
1: So debuted in nineteen ninety. Um, best finishing championship was in nineteen ninety nine, where he finished second. Yep. Um, only nine wins, which amazed me he only had 9 wins across his BTCC career with yeah, 16, low, 16 pole yeah. positions so all those pole positions that he hasn't converted is quite amazing really uh, but he's a very consistent podium finisher 35 podiums in that time um, Absolutely. and the only thing I can like caveat his performances with is that he was in a very competitive era that
0: and bad
1: luck that and um, bad luck, So yeah.
0: when he was in the Honda team, that basically came to the grid about turning a wheel and testing, and he was charged with trying to get results in the Honda. Yeah. Similar story, when he went to Nissan, and looking back at the Nissan success later on, a lot of that is attributed down to David Leslie and his um, performance in the car, bringing it forward, bringing graft. it competitive, yeah, yeah, making it competitive. Um, and as you say, a much more competitive era, the field was a lot closer to the, it's a lot smaller and a lot closer together there wasn't anywhere near as much difference
1: between the vehicles as there is today um, and he like he was say, also that experienced driver the Proton bought in to try and develop the car wasn't it yeah but the less about um, that the better yeah and that that completely fell off a cliff so yeah I can understand why you've said that he's been unlucky um, yeah in, in that season 99 season that he finished second he had nine second places throughout the season and only three wins consistency
0: well, we've seen uh, we've, in the modern era with Turks has won a championship with one win. Yeah, uh, exactly. It is about consistency. Um, he is very much the sort of the clever man of the sport, if you like. We go on to do lecturing in motorsport, etc. David Coulthard set some of his successes down to classes attended where Leslie had lectured. Um, perhaps one of those drivers that's better at developing a car than actually being a race winner and being a, a that that last piece that makes you a champion.
1: Yeah. Um, Having the cutting but, edge just to yeah. get you over the line when you need to.
0: But as I say, absolutely stunning driver, um, and it's crazy that he hasn't got a title as well. Mm. Absolutely
1: crazy. I mean if he if he'd have converted what, three or four of those second places into wins, then that would have probably given him the title that season. He only finished sixteen yeah. points off. Um, yeah. so yeah, he he was always fighting but never quite clinical enough.
0: Well, here is at my number three, so we might as well do your number three, um, okay. and we can go on to our ones
1: and twos. So my number three is a driver that has been there what feels like forever. Um, been there since two thousand and two. Left the championship for six years. Five years. Five or six years, yeah. yeah uh, To go to the World Touring Cars. Um, I know who you're talking about. It's our spiky head friend. <laughs> Mr. Tom Chilton, uh, best finish in two thousand and eight, which was third, and yeah, he's he's always been that driver that was like, ugh, nearly there. He's he's had good cars. Um, he's had fourteen wins across his touring car career, ten pole positions, but in when he went to the World Touring Cars, his best finish in the championship there was also third. He's just never quite pushed it up to that top level that's needed to take the championship sort of like ball by the horns and really go and run with it. Um, so, yeah, he's had many ups and downs throughout the years in the championships as well. He hasn't been that consistent driver that some of these guys have.
0: But, I mean, he's my number two, so I might as well talk about him here rather than go old go ground again at the moment. Um you look at the, the equipment he's had underneath him. He had the best in the business, really, of the BXR. It was yep. like the BXR, Astra, and then the Vectra. Uh, a car that Givinadi would take to the title Yep. Uh, in, in only his second season in the sport. Uh, he went to Halfords, albeit they are in a tra- slight transition at the time.
1: Uh, uh, Matt the Neal, Neal had spot. just left, yeah.
0: <laughs> but still a very good car. Uh, yep. He didn't overly set the world on fire there. Then he had a mixed bag with, uh, with, with Motor um Slash,
1: a got on third, slash... Yeah, <laughs> slash a on Yeah.
0: Slash everyone. Um, third in 2018 uh, in a limited car is very impressive. Um, but sort of a mixed time since, since he came back from his hiatus, uh, albeit in slightly more limited cars. You just feel that having had that chance of XR, given to him fairly young
1: mm. uh,
0: on the back of his own performances, which were good uh, in the. Honda what was the Civic. Order? Yeah, the Duke Civic shape, Type it? R, yeah. the
1: one with the Star yeah. Wars livery, wasn't it?
0: Star Wars down the side. Yeah. Um, he, he more than merited his place at Vauxhall. First year, you can allow, obviously, getting used to it. Second year, Jim and Hardy won the title in that car. Chilton wasn't really anywhere near. Oh. Um, you have to say that he's probably had the best chance he's going to get.
1: Yes, most although, definitely.
0: Although BTC are competitive.
1: They are competitive, but again, it's he's been, as you say, been in the good cars, and he's only got to a certain level. And yeah. if that's the limit of his abilities, then it doesn't really matter how good the car is if you haven't got that clinical touch and that racer's instinct to go and push when you need to push and then hang back when it's necessary. Like our four-time... British steering card champion Colin Turkinson, who is almost a master of that, then he's not going to get close to a title for me.
0: The other thing to say as well, if you be Ultra, are harsh, is that in the 2000s, 2000, sort of 2007, when it was at Vauxhall, it was a much, much, sort of less competitive field than it is now. Yes. You know, there was, yeah. There's basically four or five really good drivers and the rest was kind of okay. Whereas yeah. now, you've got, all the drivers are very very good.
1: I was going to say you can have probably 15 drivers in with a chance of winning a race out of the current well, field that we've got.
0: Look at last season with five people going into the final race of the season with a chance of winning the top of the title. Yeah. You know, it's
1: and the season and before not. that we had what 17 18 different winners. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, you you're you're going to struggle in this area because it is so competitive. I accept
0: that he was at the sort of Plato and Neil were at their peak when he was racing. Yep, and we'll see a to factor in, but it wasn't even close during that era. Um, In what was a very, very good car, um, should have done me better with. But I'm interested to see how he does a BTC. You know, that is a car that is very competitive. Three drivers can always help.
1: Yeah, the three drivers and the dynamic between them is going to be interesting as well. Because, as you said, Cook was with in with a chance going into the final uh race weekend last season a very slim chance albeit but we know that was down to his consistency throughout the season well if if tom can have that more experienced head on his shoulders and bring that consistency it it could certainly help the team as a whole and the, the team gel together um to have that wise head on board when you also got someone that's up and ready to go like greece um, hopefully it just brings them onto to all the same sort of level and they can all bounce off of each other and and develop the car as far as it needs to go to win the title, possibly.
0: And as we've seen before, to win a title, generally, you need to have a, a good team who will play wingman when when needs to. I mean, yep. Yeah. Certainly, did that to outstanding degrees uh, during sort of Halford's dominance um, because they knew when it was right to... And they all very nearly did it again this
1: year yeah I I mean Neil did it when Shedden won as well Um, it's got got to be support your team and get the best result for the team no matter who's in front within the team Um, and I think all three of them are fairly sensible in that way and understand that there is a combined goal there I certainly think this is
0: the last chance saloon this season
1: for Tom for Tom yeah. yeah Do you, do you think. When to win a championship. Okay, do you think that in the fact that he won't be there after this season? Or do you think that he he's just missed his peak? I
0: think that he's probably missed his peak. Um, and I think there's probably an expectation at BTC that he has to be challenging, if not winning the time. Yeah. You look at last year, they had that car sort of out of nowhere. They came out of absolutely nowhere and Cook, as you say, was in with a shout uh, last week, and I think that Chilter's been in to take that step further, um, and I think that this is last chance that he wants to win the if he wants to win the championship. I think he's got to be deliver it this year or next year. We may, what with the way this season may end up panning out, mm. I think you can somewhat give him the extra the benefit of the doubt in the extra year, but I certainly think that he's not got long left to,
1: to win the title. Yeah. It'll be interesting Perfect. to see that when he does finally leave the sport, what he then goes on to do. Because obviously he's already dipped his toe with world touring cars and been yep. relatively successful with that. Um, whether he'll move on to something a bit more like GT racing, like Rob Collard has done. Okay. Um, but, yeah.
0: Well, that's our five to
1: threes. It's five to twos, effectively. So. Yeah, in, in fifth place I had Rob Collard, followed by David Leslie, then Tom Chilton and Matt Jackson. And you had... Yep. Matt
0: Jackson in fifth. Yep. Rob Collard in fourth. Uh, and David Leslie in third.
1: And your number two... Was Tom Chilton. Tom Chilton. So, so number one... Number well,
0: we'll do your number two first.
1: Was Matt Jackson.
0: Oh, it's Matt Jackson, of course, of course. (laughs) In that case, number
1: one. You're number one, Number one
0: is a man who's only got 14 wins. Wow. But has been runner-up twice, effectively three times, uh, and has competed multiple times throughout his British touring car career. Uh, Had a wonderfully entertaining moment along the way uh, with him and John Clennon in 1992. I am, of course, talking of Steve Soper, uh, who... Did technically win the title um, in an Austin Vitesseo, or Vitesse, sorry. Yep. Rover Vitesse, rather. I'll get it right in a minute. Rover Vitesse. Um, but Andy Rouse was given the title that year because it was deemed that the Rover was an illegal car. Yep. Uh, thus, he was stripped of his championship. So he's an early man in the sense that he did win it, but didn't win it didn't, on technicalities. Yeah. <laughs> locality. Uh, and when you look at his consistency and his just racecraft, it's pre and the cars he's had, mainly BMWs in a very sort of BMW heavy era. It's crazy that he's not got a title.
1: Mm. He he's he's always tried to play the game, especially yep. with Cleland, as you said. Um and obviously that wasn't really for his benefit in that moment, but Obviously, if you you scratch someone's back, you hope you get something back in return. And with that, you can argue that he's been very unlucky. Um, Oh, without doubt. So, yeah, he's, as you say, been a very quick driver, a very consistent driver. But what do you think, apart from being unlucky, what do you think has not quite pushed him to the top?
0: Well, I mean, I think part of it is the wonderful bureaucratic lawmakers of the world who decided that having raced the entire season in the car, that it was not it was then being illegal, I mean that's bonkers in it's own right, I mean, I think a one off like we saw in F1 with um, Hunt's car in Spain, uh, when he was against Niki Lauda, when they decided it was half an inch too long or whatever mm. it was, for that particular race, but I mean, surely they'd done all those checks at the start of the year. Yeah. History almost repeated itself a little bit. The season just gone because it related to where the engine sat. Yeah, what made it illegal. Uh, I'm sure we don't need to go over all ground where a lot of drivers questioned where the BMW's engine sat last (laughs) season, um, (laughs) including a very funny Twitter exchange between Plato and I believe Kamish joking about where the engine sat in the BMW compared to where else. But
1: yeah, and then Andrew Jordan trying to uh, explain it all to them.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) I digress. Um, So I mean he. It is partly bad luck, um, and it is partly just a very, very, very competitive era where there just wasn't the same distance between the cars in terms of quality and performance. You know, it, it was it was as close to being a single manufacturer series as it has ever been. I think yeah, in the areas he was racing the late eighties, early nineties, the cars were so close to each other. Yeah, and I think he takes my spot, the top spot, just in the base that he did win a championship and then had it. Taken away from him, I mean, <laughs> I don't think you
1: can get any more nearly than that <laughs> yeah that that is true um so my my number one is a driver that debuted in nineteen ninety seven and had one see well one part season in two thousand and four uh his best finish was second in nineteen ninety eight and two thousand. He had hundred and ninety eight races, only fifteen wins though and took 18 pole positions Um, in 2001 and 2009 he only did some of the rounds Um, but yeah the 1998 season he won 7 races but a couple of retirements throughout the season meant that he finished 16 points behind Ricard Rydell and the 2000 season was even closer uh, battling with Alan Menu, going right down to the final weekend he missed out by 2 points because he retired in the final race of the season. So if it's if he'd finished in the points, um, he would have clinched that title in 2000. Um, and obviously we know... Well, personally, I know him more for running in the black and green MG.
0: Um, oh, really? No, see, I remember him in the of Top 2 touring cars on the PlayStation in the Nissan Primera.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he had good consistency and good success through that super touring era um and as you say um david leslie kind of bought the car on that nissan primera and (laughs) anthony reed took it over and uh, had pretty good success in it um but yeah just to come within two points of winning it and having to retire in the final race of the season and just missing out on it like that it was very much like last season with dan Hamish. Um yeah. yeah yeah that's that's why he's number one for me. To come so close yet yeah, have it taken away from you. Um so, I, mean, yeah.
0: I, must, I must admit I was surprised when you said he hadn't won of the title. I just kind of assumed he had. Yeah. Um
1: Because yeah, well, of
0: the longevity that, and the you know the the quality. I just kind of assumed that he had got a
1: title. That was my assumption with Sopra and when you said that he'd had it taken away on a technicality, I was like, Oh yeah. yeah okay (laughs) because I I just put it out of my mind I was like yeah he'd won he'd he'd won that one (laughs) Um, yeah
0: so technically Andy Rouse took it that year so well that concludes the the top five lists Um, annoyingly we're both on the same page for a change On I know
1: I was quite surprised that we had four of the same and nearly in the same order
0: Very close to being the same order. So, just to recap, your top five, from five to one.
1: Uh, My top five. So, in fifth, I have Rob Collard, followed by David Leslie, uh, followed by Tom Chilton, Matt Jackson, and then my number one is Anthony Reid.
0: So, why is Matt Jackson so high on your list of interest?
1: Because... Ahead of
0: people like David Leslie, for example.
1: Because of the amount of races that he won. So, he, he was a consistently fast driver. So he yeah. only finished outside the top 10 in the championship once, and that was in 2015, where he only did half a season, and he still finished 12th with 200 points. Yeah. I mean, to come in halfway through a season and then still finish 12th in the championship just shows you how much raw pace that he has. And even with the cars that he struggled in after that, he still got it into the top 10 in the championship. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for me, he was a really consistent driver. Fair enough.
0: Uh, well, my top five then had Matt Jackson at a fifth. Um, I wouldn't write him off just yet either, but that PMR car starting to show some pace towards the end of last season. Yep. Great mentor there in Plato, who's been there and done it in every possible form you can think of. And they've worked and, together before. Yeah, and to good effect.
1: Yeah.
0: So um, so I'm not entirely convinced his day has finished completely, because I also think that should WSR want to replace some in the future, Matt Jackson could be a perfect replacement. Yeah. Even if his history. But anyway. So he's at number five. Number four is Rob Collard, who looks like he never will win a championship now, given the fact that his career in the Touring cars is almost over.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, number three, David Leslie. Uh, number two, Tom Chilton, based on the machinery he had at his disposal. Uh, and at number one, Steve Soper. To have it taken off you, having won the championship, is about as close as you can get.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah it is as close as you can get really (laughs) there's no arguing for that
0: what's our next top five going to be Sam you can pick off the list for us
1: oh next top five I think we should go for best cars so cars slash manufacturers so we're we're looking at all the cars that we've had in probably the era that we've been watching there have been so many of them Um, and the ones that almost like changed the competition standards and ones that just went that extra level. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we'll go for cars next time out, next Friday. Um, and we'll, we'll bank a few as well.
0: Fantastic. Well, as ever, I hope you've enjoyed uh, Top 5 Pot. Uh, please do share, subscribe, tell your friends, make them tell their friends, wear T-shirts, do anything you can. Uh, and we'll speak to you again very soon next week with our latest top five uh, list. Until then, stay safe, stay home, stay happy.
1: Yeah, let us know what your top fives are as well. Remember to subscribe, follow, and also share our podcasts for more touring car updates. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by just searching for BTCP, British Touring Car Podcast, And you can also contact us there or on our email at ptccpod at gmail.com.